Marketing success comes from identifying the right opportunities. And sponsoring the Up Next in Commerce podcast might just be the best opportunity you'll hear about today. With tens of thousands of listeners, expert creative, production, and strategic promotion teams at the helm, not to mention millions of impressions at the ready, this is a growth opportunity you should not ignore. Email me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with the Up Next in Commerce team. At the end of the day, the KPI that matters the most is NPS. And I think what's been really remarkable about Hims and Hers is that our NPS is 65. And for healthcare services, the NPS of the whole rest of the industry is nine. The fact of the matter is the healthcare system was not built with the consumer in mind. That is until Hims and Hers came along. This three-year-old company has been making waves in the industry and for good reason. Its platform has facilitated more than 2 million medical visits and is valued at more than $1.6 billion. And all of this in an industry that has been immune to disruption for decades. Hims and Hers is the first true consumer healthcare brand that, through its platform, creates an easy, transparent, and high-quality experience for all those frustrated with their current healthcare option. Its mission is to help people finally feel empowered to talk about and get treated for certain conditions. And Hillary Coles, the co-founder and vice president of merchandising for the company, is responsible for making that happen. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Hillary explains why humor really is the best medicine when it comes to marketing. And she talks about how brands should approach experimentation. Plus, she provides tips to anyone who is thinking about trying to disrupt a big industry and why she thinks it's a risk worth taking. Enjoy this episode. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Hi, everyone. It's Stephanie. Before we get into the episode, I would love it if you could hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review. I really want to know what you think and hear how we're doing. All right, on to the interview. Welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is Stephanie Postles, co-founder of Mission.org. Today, I'm really excited to be chatting with Hillary Coles, the co-founder at Hims and Hers. Hillary, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think we're going to have such a good conversation and there's so many areas where we can take it. I was doing a bit of research and there are so many case studies built around you guys. Did you know that? I didn't actually know that. Is that true? Yeah, I found like at least three and so many articles diving into your business model. And so there's a lot of content I want to cover and maybe... First, we can just start with what is Hims and Hers? Hims and Hers is really the first consumer healthcare brand. And what that means is that we've prioritized the consumer and really thought through every aspect of the business in order to suit the consumer, in order to give them choice, in order to give them control, uh, in order to give them transparency into how they take care of themselves. Because we thought it was way too hard to take care of yourself today. And navigating the healthcare system is incredibly difficult. Uh, And that's really because it's never been built with a consumer in mind. And so everything we've done from the beginning has been really just to champion the consumer. And so today, Hims and Hers is a platform that allows you to 
to treat everything from dermatological conditions like acne to sexual health and wellness to mental health to hair care, all conveniently from home, which after uh, this year has never been more important. Love that. So as a new customer, I can essentially get on there, have a virtual doctor's visit, maybe even get a prescription for something I need, and then even order it on your platform. Like it's everything from start to finish. Am I thinking about that correctly? Exactly. Everything is happens on our platform. And the reason why we did that is that we could ensure that from start to finish, we were in control of the level of quality that you would experience as a consumer. So from the moment you come on to our platform, you select what you're interested in, what your health healthcare goals are. You are given education. You are given a direct relationship with a provider. You are given product options and you're able to make that decision that's right for you. And then, you know, you're able to skip going to the pharmacy, skip taking off work, finding childcare, you know, taking off time in your day to go see a doctor and able to talk to a doctor from wherever you feel comfortable. And then having that product shipped directly to you and managed by you, which is, again, just totally revolutionary from the way we've thought about healthcare to date, which has never prioritized the customer's needs, but has focused really on everyone else in the healthcare industry, except for the patient. Yep. Yeah. When I was looking through that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I've needed all my life. I've always thought everything with health healthcare feels backwards and old school. I'm like, how have I not heard of this? I mean, I'd heard of you guys before, but I didn't know it was also for women. Yeah, it's such a it's such a good point. And and you know, the reason why we developed Hims and Hers is because when we looked at our lives, the level of control and choice we had with everything. You can choose, you know, a hundred different things to be delivered to your house in the next 20 minutes for lunch. You can choose your mode of transportation. You can choose what kind of couch to get delivered to your to your house. You can choose what kind of workout you're going to do today at whatever price you want. But when it came to your healthcare, it was like this weird thing that you put off doing because it was so inconvenient. You never knew what it was going to cost. You were made to kind of go on a maze to figure out who's the right provider. Are they covered by your insurance? How do you pick yeah. an insurance plan? And, and, and it's so unlike the right way the rest of our, our world works today. And I think consumers are too smart for that and they expect better. And so we really just developed something that fit into the rest of our lives. I love that. So just so everyone knows the scale of where you guys are at, because I saw a lot of numbers from all my research, everything from your evaluation <laughs> to your revenue numbers, but I'd rather hear from you to know it's accurate. Like, um, where are you guys today? How are you, like, what's your evaluation or what revenue numbers can you share? Just so everyone kind of knows, like, how big you are. Like, you're, you're legit. <laughs> we're, we're legit. So in the past three years, uh, we've done well over 2 million medical visits. And when you think of a big company like Teladoc in the space, it took them 13 years to get to 1 million visits. So we've accomplished uh, double that in three years. We are valued at $1.6 billion dollars. Billion, um, everyone. Which, <laughs> which we think there's so much more to do because if you think about it, the healthcare industry is really the last trillion dollar industry that hasn't been disrupted. So we really mm-hmm. think this is just, you know, it's, it sounds like a big number, but it's just the, the really top, top tip of the iceberg. Yep. And the majority of our, our subscri- majority of our business is subscriptions, ongoing recurring revenue. And yeah, there's lots of excitement coming. We have more than a dozen conditions that we treat with almost 100 SKUs. So we've really, I think that's been a key differentiator for us in in this industry as more and more 
people enter the D2C healthcare industry, you know, when you look around at the landscape, so much of it is is pretty niche and one condition focused. And what we strive to do from from our early days is be this umbrella company where you really can treat multiple conditions. You really can take care of yourself <laughs> very yep. practically um, on one simple to use platform. We're not expecting you to jump around. That's great. It really is like, it's like the future. It's what I've always wanted. <laughs> so I love talking about the early days of starting these companies and especially with yours, it feels like it's so intricate, especially on the back end. probably not for, you know, the consumers are like, oh, everything just works. But behind the scenes, I'm just thinking about, you know, the partnerships that you're getting with the doctors and then you know, you the products that you're selling and how to make everything work. I want to hear a little bit about like, how did you start it? What did you focus on first? And maybe what did you experience where you're like, we would have done that differently if we knew what we knew now? Right. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. Yep. But our first iteration into HIMS was an MVP uh, that I think we called Clubroom at the time. And that was to learn how men were shopping for hair care products, uh, specifically hair loss products at the time. We, we explored um, bundling and promotions. We explored brand personas and, and really how to talk to men. Um, and we learned a lot about price points. We learned a lot about what men were looking for. And that was really, really valuable. We got enough signal really from that to mm-hmm. have confidence that we were doing something differently with what is now hims and hers. and. We knew a couple of things. We knew we would have to provide, provide access to providers in every single state. So by the way, that means setting up a uh, entity in every single state, which is just a tremendous amount of work yep. um, because we are dealing with PHI and, and, and health data and selling um, a variety of, of services. We could, there's nothing out of the box we could do. So we had to build everything from scratch on the back end. We needed to have proprietary products part of our part of our goal and what we've continued to do is really blending both wellness products and prescription products and education and so we had to create our own wellness products and so i remember in the early days showing up to manufacturers in the middle of the country who were looked at me like i was crazy and i was begging them to put us put our our brand on the line and produce minoxidil which is generic rogaine and they they basically said they felt bad for taking our money because this is an industry that hadn't shifted in decades. And mm-hmm. what were we thinking? And um, there's no way this is going to work. And we, we were able to blow through what we had ordered from them in, in days, not months. And from there, it was just kind of beyond. I, I think the other thing we processed from the beginning, uh, or we prioritized from the beginning was our brand. I think we knew that unlike, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when you had all of these disrupting, in quotation, startups coming out, your brand wasn't as important. But because the barrier to enter direct-to-consumer brands is so low these these days with all the onslaughts of digital channels that you have, having a differentiating brand, having a point of view becomes so important and earning trust becomes so important. And you need to do that. You need to have a, a deeply differentiated and personified brand today in a way that I think was not as urgently important 10 years ago. And so that was the bet we took early on that really, really paid off. You can definitely see that (laughs) with all your marketing and branding and like people are eager to buy your products and you focused on a market, especially around men in the beginning that I think wasn't being served well. I mean, you mentioned Rogaine and I'm thinking about the commercials back then of like 
just not very pleasant ones. I mean, I wouldn't want to buy that product based on, you know, the TV commercials that I used to see around that. And it seems like you leaned into that and not only served the market, but did it in a way that people were eager to even, you know, talk about it and have word of mouth. Totally. I think the, the most interesting thing about our brand today, and especially in the early days, was that the majority of the people coming to us for hair loss, for sexual wellness, for mental health, it's health, it's the first time they're ever treating these conditions. The first time they've trusted anyone with these conditions. And that's a big deal because it's not like you wake up one morning and you decide you're going to take action. It's usually on the heels of days and weeks and months and years of feeling unsure and feeling like it was something you had to hide in the back of your cabinet or didn't want to engage with, like your, the Rogan example you just had. And so that's really, that's been the key unlock is that relationship we've been able to foster. And to, to this day, that remains my, my favorite compliment that, that we get as a business is your brand empowered me. It made me believe in myself. That's really what we're, what we're getting at here because the products, the products exist. And for us, it's about kind of slaying all the dragons of access and cost and barriers to make it easy for, for the customer. But we can't, we can't walk you to the front door. We, we have to be on that journey with you and you have to believe that we're on that journey with you. And so that's really our mission at the end of the day. I love that. So you just mentioned about the brand empowering your customers. Like how, how do you create that messaging, especially around topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about? Like, how do you go about doing that right in a way, you know, that has grown and seen the, the success that you all have? Yeah, I think one of my favorite quotes ever is that sunlight is the best disinfectant. Because mm-hmm. I think if you, you can't see it, you can't talk about it. And so that from the very early days of fundraising was, was a big eye opener for us. Because when we came in to the room and we were talking about erectile dysfunction and, and hair loss, no one wanted to be the first to ask any questions about it. No one wanted to seem overly interested in it even. Yeah. You don't want to be associated in it. And it wasn't until we changed tax and started using humor and started using numbers and saying like, hey, like every third person in this room will probably suffer from erectile dysfunction or, or hair yeah. loss. Like it kind of, you need that provocation, that shock, that, that humor to remind ourselves that you're not, in a weird way, you're not special. Mm-hmm. Like baldness did, doesn't, hair loss doesn't choose you. Anxiety doesn't choose you. Yeah. It happens and it's common. And if we're all in it together, we can talk about it. We can find the education, the products and the services to tackle it and get you feeling good. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, that was all the, the campaigns I was looking at were funny and I could definitely see it sparking engagement by people being like, I mean, I saw there was a urinal campaign that you guys did and there was a quote I think that you said- takeover. Yeah, you're like, no one in the history of ballparks ever wanted to advertise in a urinal. Uh, but we saw it as like a creative channel. Like, tell me, how do you even think of things that are funny like that? Maybe I'm just not a funny person. Because I'm like, I would never think to do that. But that's great. Or like your cactus, your erect cactus. Like, as you yeah, know, people look at I, that, they know what this is for. Like, super funny. Right. You can't deny. I think that was part of the beauty of our, uh, certainly the early campaigns where we did city takeovers with the so you take over as urinal dominations, we call them with the phallic cactuses, cacti, yep. because you can't deny that you don't, you, you know what it is. You instantly know what it is. Um, and so it saves mm-hmm. you kind of the, the rigmarole, the rigmarole and dance of, are we talking about this? What is this? I think it's this. And fundamentally, I think some of the 
bets we've taken with marketing that have been a little bit more marketing channels that have been more on the creative side, like the urinal dominations, like the sponsored cornhole tournaments mm-hmm. is that and all sorts of things that people haven't necessarily tried before. It's because I think we have a really deep empathy for our consumers and we're really thoughtful about where are they spending time? Where are their eyeballs? You know, like I think if we, I always joke with our team, like if you try hard and believe in yourself, anything can be a billboard or a messaging opportunity for, mm-hmm. for the company because we're, you want to meet your customer where they are. And I think, you know, unlike kind of the typical DNVB and D2C playbooks out there, where you're on the same channels as everyone competing for the same eyeballs, we really are striving to be healthcare for the people, for all people, for anyone with a body. And to do that, we have to get eyeballs everywhere. We can't just be on the traditional digital channels. We have to think outside the box. We have to be provocative. We have to shift the traditional ways of thinking. Yeah, completely. How do you go about encouraging your team to think creatively like that and to come up with new ideas? Like, is there a process that you guys have in place or something to, you know, have fun ideas rise to the top like that? Our team is amazing. So they need uh, very, very little encouragement. But I think we've been, I think what we've preserved since the early days of, you know, Andrew and I joking around, like on text message late at night or around a table is, is just like, what do you think is interesting? What do you think is funny? What are you not, what are we not seeing um, and so from whether it's a customer service agent, whether it's someone on our creative team, whether it's someone on our analytics team, just like, what are you interested in? What are you seeing? And, and I think as the team's gotten bigger, it's gotten, it's been so interesting to learn all of these different perspectives and what people are into, like what is happening with gamers? What is happening with cooking trends? And, and how is that relevant? And, and what does that mean about people today? And I think we we try not to be too precious with our own ideas. And I think Andrew and I are the first ones to, to say like, oh, <laughs> that didn't work. That's fine. And, and we, we very much internally socialize the things that didn't work as much as the things that, that did. And that ladders back up to the priority we place on testing and learning. And, um, and so I think because we're, we remain flexible with that and, and have fun with that all in service of learning, it makes every single big campaign less do or die. Yep. Yeah. I like the idea of not being too precious with your ideas and being open to just testing and seeing what works. What kind of like in the spirit of testing, what campaign did you launch or your team launch where you're like, that's not going to work. And it actually did. Oh my goodness. (laughs) There is a commercial we can, we can find later and it's still, it's still shown. And it is essentially just our full portfolio of products in the, of the HIMSS products and the signature peach and pastel colors that we've become known for. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, when we launched the product, when we launched our company three years ago, we launched with candles, which a lot of people made fun of us for, but we wanted to like really be extremely explicit about the fact that we were a wellness company as well as a healthcare company and we were doing something different. Mm -hmm. And so we played on this idea of candles being something we were known for, loved for, and mocked for. And the whole, whole campaign is somebody just lighting that candle in front of the portfolio of products. And (laughs) we're like, what is the, like, it's so simple. There's no way it's going to work. Uh-huh. And it's been going for like a year and a half. It is far and away one of our most successful creatives. I mean, I've heard that that same theme though, around the things that you don't think will work. 
actually end up working. I mean, especially we've been experimenting with like different YouTube ads and just seeing what people connect with. Sometimes a little out there, you're like, wait, why? Why do people like this? But that's why it's important to test and actually figure out like what connects with people. And, you know, who knows, maybe in that candle commercial, people are like, well, let me like they're obviously going like to look and see what's behind the candle and like analyzing it more than they probably would in any other commercial. Right. You're you're competing with so much nowadays. And I think there is a tendency sometimes to overcomplicate, to simply copy what other people are doing. Um, and I think we've been pretty brave with what we're willing, willing to test and keeping smart about that rather than having, you know, pouring millions of dollars into one solitary campaign. Um, we're able to come up with several different iterations that are more appealing to more different groups of, of people, which again, comes back to our mission of being for everyone and meeting you where you are. Yep. Yeah. I love that. And I think going forward, I mean, brands can learn a lot from your guys' campaigns because I think, especially the past couple of years, there's been a lot of kind of censorship on how the brands can and should interact and what campaigns are okay or not. But I think going mm. forward, that authenticity is going to be really important for the brands to actually, you know, come above the other ones and stand out by actually leaning into, you know, their goals and doing it in a way that they feel is best for their product and their customers and connecting with the people they need to. That's totally right. And I think that is the one of the more exciting trends that I'm hoping we see more of in the coming years. I think, as I mentioned earlier, the especially in the past five years, it became so easy to launch a company. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think you saw a real copycat culture, a real everyone using the same kinds of design, a real yep. same kinds of, of brands uh, and, and missions even for lack of a better word. And it mm-hmm. became really hard to tell the difference between anybody. And I think where this all started, where everyone's feet started being held to the fire is this year where, you know, there's been so much in the world happening and it's now becoming clear if you don't stand for something or if you stand for the exact same thing as everybody else, you get lost in the Mm -hmm. shuffle. And I think that's really going to separate the brands that are here to stay from the brands that probably won't won't cut it. And it comes down to having that clear point of view. Because again, consumers are so smart Mm -hmm. when they know. (laughs) Yeah. I think authenticity will always win. And I would rather like maybe be offended by a brand who's trying to do something where I remember them than just be like, oh, this is like, you know, another brand saying that they're standing for the same thing as everyone else, because they're probably being told that that's what they have to stand for. Like, those are the ones that I forget about versus the ones that are experimenting and trying and, you know, testing out messaging. That's the ones I'm excited to watch where they head. Totally. I think that's where, you know, sometimes not saying anything is as powerful Mm -hmm. as saying something and thinking about what do your customers really want from you? What are they coming to you for versus what you personally are excited about and what makes you sleep better at night. You know, it's not about making you feel good. It's about serving your customer. And I think some brands get that tested this year. Yeah, I completely agree. So when it comes to, um, since we're diving pretty deep on marketing and brand voices and stuff, like how do you think about measuring your campaigns and which ones are doing best? Like I saw you partner with Snoop Dogg, which is awesome. Like how do you measure a partnership like that versus your TV commercials and what what's successful in that area? Yeah. I mean, 
I think the thing that has been the most interesting about our marketing approach is that at any on any given day, we are in at least two dozen different channels and we are testing within each of those channels. Again, and again, it ladders up to this mission of being there for a consumer wherever they are. And so it's about not just not just having radio and podcasts and, and various audio, but it's what are you saying within each of those channels and does it make sense? Because um, mm-hmm. you don't want to jar the customer out of out of what it is. And so yes, the Snoop Dogg campaign was awesome for being well known and the JLo and A-Rod campaigns, I think um, all make sense in certain contexts, but I think we we keep a pretty broad playbook, which allows us to be, to really start the relationship off on the best possible foot with our consumer. Because I think at the end of the day, the KPI that matters the most is NPS. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been really remarkable about hims and hers is that our NPS is 65. And for healthcare services, the NPS of the rest, whole rest of the industry is nine. That's what I was going to say. Is it like five? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about single digits, yeah. deeply, deeply unsatisfied people, deeply negative experiences. And we're talking about a huge exponential growth on that. And, and that's what we're really protective of and, and why I think a real reflection of what happens when you give consumers choice and control and transparency and and kind of treat them like adults and know that giving them more information is not going to, is, if anything, going to increase their their trust and their their lifetime with you. Yeah, that's great. How do you think about like personalization? Because healthcare just seems like such a tricky thing. And especially when you're talking about like the NPS and developing that trust, like what do you do to, if you do it all, like personalize um, when communicating with people? So they're like, oh yeah, this is just about our conversation. This isn't like a generic, you know, message. Absolutely. I think personalization remains so important, particularly in healthcare, where you're used to being treated like a number, where you're used to being left behind and expected to to sprint, to keep up with just a basic level of, of treatment. And, and that's where we've been able to differentiate so much by having that end-to-end control and being totally vertically integrated as our consumer healthcare platform. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about within each of our respective categories, within each of our respective brands, what that consumer journey looks like and what the consumer segment within that consumer journey looks like. So that end, for end to end, we know you're going to get checked in on um, at the right time to make sure that your skin is adapting well to your new prescription skin routine that you're on um, so that you're being exposed to the most amount of information and the ability to chat to your personal provider whenever suits you and being there kind of one step ahead. I think that's like the best hospitality lessons in hospitality that we've tried to bring into our, our business of anticipating the need before, before you happen, before it happens, before you even think about it. And that's where our service has been super seamless so how are you anticipating that need? Because that also, I mean, that is a really good example where I'm thinking about doctors. It'd be so nice if they checked in on me a bit more because I'm also just lazy. And, you know, a lot of times right. I might need something, but I just need a reminder. But I haven't seen any of the traditional models having a good method for doing that, um, that checks in in a way that's not annoying. Absolutely. So each category, each journey is heavily directed by 
an advisory group of the top medical professionals um, from all the best institutions across across the country and really getting that brain trust together within that specific category. So say using the skincare example, the top dermatologists in the country and walking through what, if you had a magic wand, what would the best possible treatment look like for a patient? What would that best possible experience look like? And then we map out, if you could clone yourself (laughs) 600 times as a doctor, what would you be doing? And then we go and we build that. And that's, that's a really good lesson. I think for any business model, it's kind of coming in. I mean, it is coming in with a beginner mindset and just saying, start from scratch. How should this work? Doesn't matter if it can work or if we know how to make it work. Like, what should it be doing right now? What is success? And then building towards that. Yeah. And I think that's really fundamentally why we've been so successful in a short period of time is we've just asked why. Because so in so many, especially in, in established industries like healthcare, so much of it is just continuing on because that's the way things have always been done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was just us asking naively, just naively, why? Why did we, Why do you do it that way? Why is it done that way? What, could it be done this way? And just, you know, having that endless capacity, I think, for, <laughs> for curiosity. And I think the more we, when we first started working on the company, we had assumed there were to be frank, like adults in the room who had already figured this out and had already really tried to do their best possible job for the consumer. And the more we asked questions, the more it became clear nobody was was doing this and it wasn't an impossible task nearly. It was, it just needed a different lens and some elbow grease, <laughs> I think. I can imagine you guys getting a lot of pushback and, you know, people kind of betting against you, especially in the early days around what you wanted to do? Oh, definitely. I think, you know, sure, disrupt a trillion dollar industry and then do it using millennial beige color and a bunch of cacti. We were nobody's best friends. I I remember, you know, even my fiance saying in the early days, like, are you sure about the name hands? And now it's like, oh yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very, very cool. I could see there being a lot of room, um, with having a great community. And maybe you guys already have that because I'm thinking like you're getting people to talk about, you know, uh, topics that they maybe never would have otherwise, but you know, everyone is on there Googling their problems and you end up finding bad Reddit threads or like who the heck knows, like whatever you stumble on and you're trying to see like, do other people have this issue? How how are you all approaching um, community and having people speak up and talk about it and talk about their results and everything? That's such a great question. That was a key motivation for us is how do you get people to stop doom spiraling and, <laughs> and looking in the middle of the night for things to ask about their health? Because spoiler, like, spoiler alert, anything you ask about your symptoms is going to lead to your dying. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's scary and it, you, you're not empowered and you don't feel in control. And so it was really like, how do we make it so easy that even that you would be willing to just as easy as, as as Googling something, it's just that easy to go to our platform. And that level of simplicity and, and directness of, of that relationship. And that was really, again, I think a, a key piece of having our brand be aspirational and safe and celebratory. And what, what why we knew that that worked and that resonated is in the first two weeks of, of sales of, of being open uh, as a company, we had men submitting videos of themselves 
unboxing their hair loss kits. We had men submitting um, before and afters proudly. And these are on like on public channels like Instagram, wow. tagging us in them. On, and these are things that historically were so private and had never been spoken about. And here they were sharing, tagging, telling us, please post, please share my story. I feel so good. And I, I had no idea it was possible. And everyone should know about this. Mm-hmm. And so community from day one has been such a core piece of everything that we do and helping you feel like, you know, we're, we're your hype person. We're, we're here for you. And, and I think people have really responded to that idea of positivity. And I think it's kind of wild to think that there are brands with a hundred thousand, there's a healthcare brand with a hundred thousand fans on Instagram. Yeah. No, that's, that's wild. We're submitting and, and talking and sharing their, their prior to us deepest secrets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's crazy to think about someone sharing before and after pictures without getting paid. I mean, that whole industry, when you see those pictures, you're like, is this real? Like, is this a real person that seems like they're kind of like me? I mean, how did you encourage that word of mouth and um, encourage people to want to share that kind of stuff? Uh, other than just having a good product, because that's obviously key. You have to have a good product that actually works that people get excited about. But how do you encourage them to take that next step and actually put it on a platform that's public? Yeah, I mean, truly, we were surprised. We didn't think it would be a lever for us, especially in in the beginning. We thought there was no way you were going to see the before and afters you were seeing on some of the other D2C companies or or what you would normally see on a women's brand, for example. And we were when we started seeing it, we were like, oh, this is a whole, this opens up a whole new world. And so we built out a community team that focuses on relationships with our existing consumer. And that can be everything from seeding them new products and seeing what they think of those products. It can be showing their, sharing their story for for people who tell us that they, you know, they want to be that inspiration for somebody else. And yeah, we've, we've gotten to a point where we have a thousand, a thousand people in our community network who are just true fans of the brand that have been a completely organic. Very cool. So what does the next maybe two to three years look like for hims and hers? And what kind of big bets are you guys taking? Yeah, I think where we are really excited in the next couple of years is to continue to expand into more conditions in order to be of more service to the consumers on our platform, to provide entry points for new consumers, um, and to be able to manage with that high level of quality that consumers expect more conditions. And so for us, what that means is entry into chronic conditions like fertility, like sleep, like cholesterol. That means expanding into broader portfolios into our the main categories that we serve today. And that means, you know, doing, expanding into, continue to expand into our wholesale partnerships like we have with Target, which allow us to be more accessible same day, more accessible in any single market to people who are in need of effective, affordable products. That's very cool. And what kind of advice do you have for anyone who's looking to disrupt a big market? I mean, I think you're the perfect person to answer this. Like it's doable. But what advice do you have? It's doable. I think, again, just keep asking why. I wouldn't assume that there's some there's a reason why things are the way that it is. If you see something isn't right, that doesn't reflect the world or reality that you want to live in, ask why. There's a good chance that it's a pain point for other people 
and it hasn't really been tackled effectively. Yep. I love that. Ask why. Is there any tech that you're betting on, tech trends, things that you're thinking you might be able to implement over the next couple of years that you're excited about? I think we are super excited to continue to centralize information for our customers and help them make smarter decisions about their healthcare. And when you look at, again, this digitally native generation who thinks of healthcare in a very different way from the way our parents think about healthcare. When you ask a, a Gen Z or millennial about how they think of taking care of themselves, it includes nutrition, it includes sleep, it includes mental health, it includes physical health, it includes a holistic picture of, mm-hmm. of flourishing. And I think using data to help corral all those decisions and provide them all at your fingertips. So it's not just this discrete siloed experience, I think is, is very revolutionary and, and where we're excited to think about. And it's so different from how we all thought about healthcare before, which was you only really engage with it when something physical is broken yep. and something wrong with you. Otherwise you stay far, far away. And so I think we're motivated and excited about a future where you feel good because all of your decisions that affect how you feel are, you have options you have information and you have opportunities to help meet your goals. Yeah, that, that holistic view of things is something I'm very excited about and can see you guys crushing because right now, like you said, it does feel like so much of healthcare is siloed. And like, if I have an issue, why isn't my diet taken into consideration? Why isn't how all my you know supplements interacting with each other, interacting with vitamins that might interact with whatever you're going to subscribe or prescribe to me? Like, why isn't everything taken into account? So having kind of like a dashboard where not only can your doctors talk easily and see, you know, what's going on holistically seems like where the future needs to go and what everyone wants right now. And you guys are the first to tackle it. Yeah, I think we we firmly believe that the future needs to go the way our lifestyle and, and behavior preferences are going. And it's very cool, especially as we talk to you know, the Gen Z consumers were like, yeah, no, of course, I never wanted it to be siloed. And I fully reject a future where it is. And they're just, it's very cool to see that that's an expectation for the future, not a nice to have. Yeah, yeah very inspiring. All right. So let's move over to a quick lightning round, which is where I'm going to ask you a question. You have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Hillary? <laughs> let's see. All right, we'll do that tougher question first. Uh, what one thing do you think is going to have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? I think big e-tailers entering the market and consolidating is going to have the biggest impact. Oh, tell me a little bit more about that. That's that's interesting. I think as we start to see, especially with the pandemic, start to see Targets and Amazons and Walmarts start to be a one, even more of a one-stop shop than than normal. You can't as we're all trying to stay home and take care of our families um, and limit the amount of trips that we're making, I'm interested to see how those big companies start including different services, different products that they wouldn't normally be have been interested in a year or two ago in order to serve more of the needs of, uh, of everyday consumers and where consumers will trust and, and not trust them. But for sure, we're going to see some aggressive, aggressive moves. Yeah, that's a really good take about yeah, consolidation. I like that. What do you not understand today that you wish you did? 
I don't really understand TikTok, but I really wish I did. <laughs> Someone just said that. I just did an interview about an hour ago and they said the exact same thing. Even though they do really well on TikTok, their company does. She was like, I don't understand it. And it takes a long time to make videos. Exactly. I, I mean, I love it. I love the generation of, of content creators. And I think it's really interesting that the shift is moving from influencing to actually creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a, it's certainly more democratic, which is in more in line with, with certainly the world that we believe in at, at Hims and Hers. But I, yeah, I would be lying, I said, if I said I came close to understanding it. We'll have to learn it together. because Yeah, deal. Yeah, I agree. Um, what is your favorite book? It can be a business book or something where you're like, I quote stuff from here. It's something that always comes to mind when I'm making decisions. What's your favorite book? I think the things I come back to frequently are Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Innovator's Dilemma. And I think one that is earning a place on my shelf is the New Rules of Culture that Netflix just came out with. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check that out. Those first two are good ones. Very cool. All right. And the last one, if you were to have a podcast, what would it be about and who would your first guest be? I were to have a podcast. It would be focused on people who use their energy to uplift and amplify other people. And to me, there's nobody who does that better than Michelle Obama. That's great. I would enjoy listening to that. We need to make that happen, Hillary. So nice. I'll start recording. I'll reach out to her. I'll send her a DM right now and see where yeah, we just end up. Her. <laughs> we'll have this in the works in like a week. No big deal. Yeah. No, that's, that's the, the hymns pipeline for sure. All right, Hillary. Well, this has been uh, such a pleasure having you on the show. I knew it was going to be a good interview and you exceeded all my expectations. So thank you very much. And where can people find out more about you and hymns and hers? Definitely. There's always so much going on. And thank you for all the thoughtful questions uh, at forhers.com, forhims.com, and on our Instagrams at hims, at hers are always the best ways to keep in touch with the latest and the greatest. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Stephanie. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.